1: It might be the Holy Spirit, but it might be the violin, you know? It just, we're not too sure, you know? It's just so powerful. It's either or, right? So thank you again, worship team. It's so fantastic. Guys, did a great job. Um, let, let's do something that we don't do all the time. Um, if you guys feel able, do you want to stand with me as we read? I'm going to read to you what we're, uh, the, uh, the, the passage we're going to uh, go with today. And so I want you to turn to Psalm 20. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, or you have a device with you, I want you to turn there. And this is kind of an older practice, you know, when someone's reading the Scriptures, we, we have, sometimes we kind of stand, you know, and take that time to acknowledge the Scriptures together, acknowledge that it's the Word of the Lord, the authority of the Lord is, is present in the Scriptures. So let's turn there. Again, it's Psalm 20. And is, is it because I'm here or what? I may have to stay, I may have to stay in one spot. That might be... Okay, so Psalm 20. Let's take a look at that. The word of the Lord. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings And regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May he shout for joy over you, over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. It's the word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. What I just read to you is a national anthem. It's a song. It's a prayer. It's a prayer that was turned into a song that the, that the psalmist wrote to sing over the king when in battle. And they made it so that the people could sing together in unison a song of blessing over the king going into battle. It's a national anthem of blessing on their leader. There is another nation that has a very similar national anthem. And matter of fact, we heard it recently when the queen passed away. It was God save the queen. It's a British national anthem. It's a prayer to be sung over the queen because the nation identifies themselves together as a community with the success of the queen. So they say, God, save our queen. Because the queen's welfare is the people's welfare. Because when she succeeds, they succeed. And they believe strongly enough that this was created so that they could sing this. Well, listen, that's an old practice, but let me show you an even older practice. In the scriptures, the people of Israel had this song to sing over their king, to sing over whoever ruled over them, a prayer to say that whatever happens, we align ourselves with you because your welfare will be our welfare. And we pray this prayer over you that God would accept your sacrifices, that God would hear your prayers. That your desires, O oh king, would come true. Because whatever you desire, we sympathize with that because it's for our best interest. They're aligning themselves with that. This is the beauty of a kingship, it's the beauty of a theocracy. And we have trouble understanding this as believers in the 21st century living in a democracy with responsible government, <laughs> right? Now, you, you, you're laughing or you could scoff at that because obviously we have our own independence. We have our own ideals of how things should be run. And we have trouble trusting our leaders. In, some, in a lot of ways, we have the right to have concerns about that. But then with this same mindset, it's hard for us to receive a passage like this. It's hard for us to understand what it is to align ourselves with an authority that can actually be trusted. And so today I want us to take a look at this psalm. And it's such an interesting psalm because we pass over it. We don't understand its significance to us, obviously because of the cultural dissonance that I just described to you. And what I want us to do is I want us to see how this psalm can actually apply to your daily life, how you can come across it again in Scripture and read it and be blessed. And so let's look at that together. Let me pray first before we do that. Um, so it's a very simple prayer because we have trouble understanding what it is to live under a kingship and not a democracy. So we need help. So Holy Spirit, empower us to understand and to see Jesus in his beauty and to align with his kingship. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through to 3. I'm going to read them to you again. This is the people of Israel, a song that was written... That they could sing as a prayer over their king. May the Lord, Lord being Yahweh, the covenant God. Lord means this is the God who aligns with us, who is promised to protect us. So may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Jacob, who had all these failings, he, ne- he even his name means deceiver. He didn't deserve the grace that he received. But this God said, I will align myself with you and I'll create a people from you and I will call your family my family. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. And there, if you're looking carefully in your Bibles or on your devices, there's that term Selah. And commentators often debate this. What does Selah mean? But most would agree that since this is a song, the Selah is a time to pause for an instrumental in the music, but also a time to reflect on what has just been said. So let's look at what just what has just been said. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. So, the people of Israel have earthly kings, and if you know their story very well, they have a litany of really bad kings. Matter of fact, their first king really failed at verse 3. He was really bad at offering sacrifices, and the people at this time, they're living in a theocracy, not a democracy, So the values of their nation aren't based on human will and human rights and human desires. They're based on the will of their God and their God's rights and their God's desires. So they understand that they cannot offend this God. They understand that if they've sinned, if they've wronged this God, there has to be some kind of retribution, some kind of restitution or reconciliation. And how is this done? Hebrews says that the only payment for sin can be blood. It can only be death. So people at this time understood, if you want to appeal to a God, you have to offer a sacrifice. People of Israel would bring an unblemished baby sheep and sacrifice it and spill its blood as a sacrifice before Yahweh and say, forgive us our sins. So that what happens? So that they can pray and their prayers would be heard. There had to be an acceptable sacrifice so that they can be accepted. So that they could be heard by this God. So the people are praying, Oh, God, please make the king's sacrifice acceptable. So that what? So that when the king goes to battle, he's going to win. Because if he loses, we lose. He goes to battle against the Philistines, and they win. They're going to come and and thrash all our our villages and, and take all of our sheep and take all of our land and our children and make them slaves and burn all of our crops and move us to a new land. Oh, God, please accept the sacrifice of the king. It's life and death. We have trouble understanding this, don't we? Because we don't live with those same emergencies, those same life-threatening elements. We don't feel like we have to align ourselves with our leaders in order to have life and to have success. But here we see it's very important for the king to have this. Well, they're singing this to a king or over a king who is an earthly king and fails. But what does this mean for us who are now aligned With Jesus, well, guess what? Jesus is the one who was the acceptable sacrifice for each and every one of us. He was the unblemished lamb that was brought to it as a sacrifice and had his blood shed so that we could be accepted. So that we ourselves can not only have earthly life, but also have a divine life where this is not the end, but we go forward into a future, a glorious future because of what he sacrificed. And not only that, but his acceptable sacrifice made you accepted by God. It wasn't enough for you to do it on your own ability. There had to be a sacrifice that was not only acceptable but adequate for your own salvation, for you to experience life and to be loved and accepted by God so that your prayers can be heard. So when we're looking at this verse here, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. It could be a reminder to us that our king, his sacrifice has been made acceptable. It's accepted by God and therefore we are accepted by God. And we can go boldly to him with our prayers and our needs. I think it was 95. I'm going to get the year wrong. The Detroit Red Wings won the Stanley Cup, okay? Steve and I, Iserman. Everyone remember Iserman? He's the captain of the Red Wings. Steve Iserman's from Ottawa. Steve Iserman's actually from Nepean. So Nepean is, is West Ottawa. That's where I grew up. And I remember that when he won the cup with the Red Wings, he brought the Stanley Cup to Ottawa. And there was a rink where I learned how to skate in the Sports Sportsplex. And I would go there and I'd skate all the time. He brought the Stanley Cup to the Sportsplex. We in Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators at the time, weren't anywhere close to winning the Stanley Cup. And we still are and I set myself up. (laughs) We weren't anywhere near to being able to do that. But the city of Ottawa, especially West Ottawa, and the people were celebrating like they won the Stanley Cup. I remember kids talking about it, like, are you gonna go see the Stanley Cup? Now at this time, my family wasn't like totally enthralled with hockey, like we hadn't been exposed to it yet in some ways. So it's like, kids were talking to me about that, I'm like, I don't know, like, Who is this guy? But I remember the talk about it. Like people were going to go, and I remember people went and they saw the cup, and they came back and they talked about it, and they were so enthralled with this victory that Steve Eiserman had. Listen, this is Steve Eiserman's victory. This is not even this is the victory for the city of Detroit, not 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 for Ottawa. But people celebrated like it was their victory. In a very very small sample size. I can get an understanding of what it is to align yourself with someone else's victory. And I think sometimes we're looking at our own scenarios and we're looking at our own circumstances and we're saying, we don't have enough. It's not good enough. I'm not acceptable based on my circumstance. I'm not acceptable based on where I live or the job that I have or the car that I have. And we're looking at our earthly, horizontal circumstances. When we've actually been called to accept in this moment that we have been made clean, that we've been brought from death to life, and we could celebrate God's victory, even as simple as people from Ottawa can celebrate a Stanley Cup that their own city didn't even win, but someone went on their behalf and brought it to them and help them to accept it and to celebrate that as well. So we have this great privilege that Jesus' sacrifice was acceptable. So now because of that, we are also accepted. So when we read verse 3, we can be reminded of that. But then I can also hear you too saying, it's great that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted and I'm accepted but I have my own issues. There's there's things in my life that that aren't all put together, and and I want them to be solved. And so what can this king, Jesus, what would aligning myself with him do for me in that sense? Well, we're going to continue reading on, and it will help, and when we read on these next two verses, it's going to help us understand the value of this. So let's keep reading verses 4 to 5. It says this. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God and set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Again, the people of Israel are singing this over their earthly king. They want his desires to be To to, to happen. They're sympathizing with them. They're aligning themselves with them because it's threatening. If their king doesn't succeed, then they won't succeed. So then, how does this apply to us then? Well, we're sitting here as believers who believe that Jesus is king. We believe that we are aligned with him. Not only that, that we are children of God. So not, uh, not only are we under a theocracy, but we are now part of the family. And so this kingship can be hard for us to understand. And we might come across a verse like this and say, well, how does this apply to me? Well, we could confidently sing all of these things. We could confidently bless Jesus in this way and say, may God grant your heart's desires and fulfill all your plans and shout for joy over your salvation. In the name of our God, set up our banners. We can sing this confidently. Why? Because we're completely aligned with him. Look at this right here. It says, May we shout for joy over your salvation. That word salvation is the word in Hebrew, Yeshua, which is the German, when well, a German, sorry, but in the Greek is actually translated Jesus. So may we shout for joy over your Jesus and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May we celebrate your salvation, and salvation is here. Is Yeshua is not just salvation; it's deliverance, it's rescue. So may we shout for joy over every aspect of that your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now, this is really nice, Christian ease for me to say that. Yes, we can bless God; we can align ourselves with the desires. But in reality, it's challenging, right? Because we have our own desires. You have your own desires. You can live independent of what God wants. You can desire things that God doesn't desire. Yes, we live in a democracy where our independence is celebrated, and we expect our own value and perspective to influence how leaders make their choices. But that is not what we have actually been called and in birthed into. We are still under a kingship. So understanding this is challenging, isn't it? It's actually so challenging that if we take this verse, these verses seriously, we may have to question ourselves, do I actually want Jesus' desires for my life? To actually happen? What what if Jesus desires for me to have hardship? What if Jesus desires doesn't mean that everything I want solved right now doesn't get solved right now? What if Jesus' desire means more waiting? What 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 is what if Jesus' desires mean more disappointment? What are we going to do? How can we accept this victory? How can we accept his desires? Well, first and foremost, first and foremost, we have to understand this. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Okay, we have to understand this. You can can turn there if you want. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Paul's writing this in Colossians, he says, for you have died, and your life, is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. For you have died. What's died? Your old spirit, your old self, your old nature that could not please God, that was actually disconnected from God. When God breathed life into the dirt, into Adam, he breathed his spirit, and then he, he became a living being. He became a soul. So we are dependent on God's spirit to even exist. It's the essence of a human being. But that same spirit that Adam had, that we all inherited from him, became disconnected from God when he sinned. So we needed to lay that old spirit to death And so that here we can have this beautiful exchange that when he died, our old spirit died. And then when he was buried, our old spirit was buried. And then when he was resurrected to new life, guess what? You received a new life. And then when he comes back again in a new glorified body, we will be with him in glory with the same spirit with a new glorified body. The only thing you're going to be taking with you from here to there is the new life that you have, that spirit. It's the only thing we're taking. The greatest human achievement for each and every one of us has already happened. Can you say it? I'm a success. I'm a success. If you've chosen Jesus to be your, your, your savior, to be your life, if he is your life, you have achieved everything a human being can achieve in this world. So you can put your feet up, okay? Uh, I, I, don't, uh, that's watching you. Okay? We can enter that rest. That's what Hebrews talks about. This is what the rest is. No more striving, nothing else to prove. You have been made acceptable by his victory. You have now received his victory. You are now aligned with his victory. Not only that, you are in the victory. So when you go into work tomorrow, you are stepping into work in victory. When you go into a family gathering where there's people who who like you or don't like you and don't understand your faith, you are stepping into that family gathering in victory. When you go to school and there's people there that you do not like and do not understand your faith and give you a hard time and bully you, you are stepping into school in victory. When you watch your hockey team lose, even though they lost, it doesn't matter. You're experiencing that loss and victory because you're a victor. Scripture says you are more than a conqueror. Why? Because you've gone from death to life. We can celebrate this, but it doesn't become real until we come to this point. Can we bless the Lord? Can we say with our lips and really mean it, Jesus, may your heart's desires May your will for my life happen. I set aside all of my goals. I set aside everything that I call a victory. I set aside all of my aspirations and ambitions to accept that whatever you have, that's what I align with. Everything in this world, every circumstance, every earthly commitment that would bring me honor and glory in my mind and would cause people to praise me, I set it aside. Whatever you have, Jesus... I choose to align with it. And actually, I say, whatever you want, I want. Tough words, right? This is very challenging for us to receive. But I believe this, that if we're able to accept this truth, it's going to breathe life into you. If you can confidently say yes to Jesus' victory and let that be it, And align yourself with that and keep your focus on that rather than asking Jesus to bless the victories that you want. I need financial peace. I need peace in my home. I need peace in my workplace. I need peace at my school. I need need peace in even just my own head and how I see myself. We have all of these things that we call victories, and we want Jesus to bless them. But if we could stop... And say, Lord, whatever your purpose is in this, and I trust in what your purposes are, and I align myself with what your purposes are, then we can actually find rest. I'll give you an example of that. I got to give you a track and field analogy, right? I got to do it. Running the hundred meter, you're you're in trouble. You're in trouble if you do. More than one thing. There's only one thing we're supposed to do. you are supposed to put your feet down in the blocks. You put your hands down on the line. You put your head down. And then you have to anticipate the gun. Sounds easier than, it's, than it is, okay? It is so challenging to do without getting a false start. But that's all you need to do. You just need to get ahead of the gun. Three, two, one, go, right? That's all you need to do. Then you need to get up and look at the finish line and keep your eye on the finish line. Why? Because you're dealing with milliseconds. If, if I stop to look at who's running beside me and if they're ahead of me, then it's actually going to slow me down. And if I look down at my feet or where I'm running, well, guess what? I'm going to go, bam. I just need to be able to trust my legs to do what they've been trained to do. Just keep my knees up and look at the finish line. What does that do? It just gives me focus. It enables me to stop from stumbling, from going to the left or to the right. Wherever I turn my focus to, it's going to distract me. It's going to take milliseconds off the race. It's not going to allow me to have victory. Sometimes we're looking at everything around us and calling that a victory. Rather than just saying, listen, I have it already in Christ. Let me entrust the life that I have, the life that I'm living right now to him and not be distracted and keep my eye on the goal, which is the end, and just stay focused on him. on this victory that is already mine. And what that's going to do, it's going to give you rest. It's going to help you to step into tomorrow and into your challenges with a little bit more encouragement, a little more confidence. You could even say this, that if Jesus is your life, then your circumstances are not a mistake. Let me say that again. You can say this confidently, that if Jesus is your life, then your painful circumstances are not a mistake. That they are actually there, and that he wants to reveal himself in you and through you through those challenging circumstances. So you don't have to despise tomorrow or fear tomorrow. Because he knows tomorrow and he is prepared to live it in and through you. To give you the strength to endure it. To give you the joy when you're lacking joy. To give you the ability to love when you don't have the power the ability in you. To give you the peace when you're lacking peace. If we can stay focused on that victory on the fact that we've already have it we keep focus on him and stay uh, stay on the course on the track towards him that we can confidently pray these prayers may you may the lord grant your heart's desires fulfill all your plans because your life is my life i've aligned fully with you but here let's let, let's keep going right because i think the next part of this is yeah sure it's his life in me. He wants to empower me to face my circumstances. Sure, I'm stepping into victory, into whatever is ahead, but I still experience disappointments. I still experience failure. I, I still experience um, hardships and brokenheartedness. Where, where, where's the joy in that? Where's the life in that? Well, let's just keep reading now. We're going to read the last few verses. Is verses 6 through to 9. So if you're there with me. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Now, this is an interesting part because here it sounds like the uh, the person has changed. We're not, you know, like some commentators are kind of like saying, well, maybe it's the king now who's supposed to be saying this part or whatever. But it's just important for us to realize that this is a promise, Right, because the psalmist is writing this saying, guess what? I've actually seen that God protects his kings. I've actually seen that God does actually save his anointed. And so guess what? We can actually have confidence because, well, I've seen it before. He does actually do this. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed, and the anointed would be the kings. That's what we, they did. They would take oil, and they would anoint the kings and say, now you are God's chosen one to lead the people. Now, we align ourselves with you because you've been anointed. Well, that's them, but what about us? How can we read this now and make these words apply to us? Well, let's look at this term, anointed, Right? We know that the Lord saves his anointed. If God would save earthly kings who represented the people of Israel back in the day, how much more would he save or did save his anointed being his own son? Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, willingly died an obedient death on the cross by which you were his joy. He went to the cross thinking of you and endured the pain of the cross for the joy of knowing you and having you as his own. We can receive that right now. But God saved his anointed. The Father saved Jesus. He brought him back from the dead, not just for the sake of bringing him back from the dead, but also to save you as well. So get this, when we talk about this term anointed, anointed. Hey, Hebrews talks about this so plainly, and I love it, that they took goat's blood in the temple. So Now I'm still going back in time. They took goat's blood in the temple, and they anointed the instruments in the temple that were going to be used to do sacrifices and to serve God, they anointed those things with goat's blood. And those things were called anointed. And they anointed the Ark of the Covenant. Well, guess what? When people handled the Ark of the Covenant poorly in the Old Testament, what happened to them? Does anyone know? Hey, yeah, you know, they fell down and died, right? Like people who handled it incorrectly, they fell down and died. So these were things were supremely anointed, but with what kind of blood? Animals', Animals blood, ghost' blood. Whose blood has anointed you and made you worthy and acceptable before God, that you could go before God to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in your time of need? Whose blood? Jesus. Whose blood? Jesus. Whose blood? Jesus. You have been anointed. The Lord, the covenant God, or the people of Israel, says, I save my anointed ones. The Lord saves his anointed. Book of Hebrews is a beautiful book. Book of Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. Says this very simply, and I'll just paraphrase it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It was a promise to the people of Israel who were not made holy and righteous, were not made made children of God by the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God promised that to them. How much more to you who have now become children of God and received the Spirit of God as an inheritance and that your own bodies that, that... give you pain and give you a little bit of limp in the morning and a little crink in the neck when you wake up. Your own bodies have now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord saves his anointed, and he will not forsake you. That word forsake can also be translated fail. He will not fail you. You are experiencing disappointments and failures, mishaps, heartbrokenness. You're looking at all these situations and saying, how is it possible that God can love me? How is it possible that he cares for me if I endure these things? We have to understand this. That when it comes to what you're facing in this life, God's purposes for you will never fail. They will come to pass. If you could pray confidently, may your heart's desires happen. We have to continue to trust in that, that his heart's desires, his will, his his purposes, his word will not return void. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If we are willing to align ourselves with the King's purposes, we could trust that His purposes for us will never fail. But we could also trust this that everything I already said is true, that you are of incredible value, that God loves you more than you love you. Did I say that right? God loves you more than you love you. God loves your body, God loves your mind, God loves your family. God loves uh, the unbelieving individuals in your workplaces uh, that you're reaching out to, you're praying for, more than you do. Matter of fact, God knows the intimate details of your life and your heart that you don't even know. And he still loves you. And he has a great purpose, and you are of great value to him. And he is not done. His purposes are not finished for your life. That's why we come to verse 7 that says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in his love for us and his desire to do good to us, that he will never fail us or forsake us in this life and the challenges that we face. The world, horses and chariots, and all their purposes, they all collapse and fall. But we rise and stand upright. I want to share this now quickly before we close. I love this term we rise and stand upright because that word in Hebrew stand upright is actually literally translated we rise and repeat we rise and repeat like and repeat anyway that that idea is basically saying this that we rise and rise and rise That though we face trial after trial after trial, we go from strength to strength to strength. We go from glory to glory to glory. We go from power to power to power. It's a repeating action. When we trust in him, we find the power to endure more and more things that we experience. Uh, Psalm 84 uh, verses 5 to 7 says this, Blessed are those, I'll just read it to you, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose strength isn't in horses and chariots, in their bank accounts, in who approves of them and who doesn't, in their their parents' approval. Blessed are those whose strength is in who? In God, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Baca was a dry, dead place. They make it a place of springs. They bring victory wherever they go. Even in the darkest, deepest, unforgiving, no, like dead places, they bring life to it. These are the people whose strength are in the Lord. Their early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to, to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. Listen, guys, we do experience failures, we do experience disappointments, we experience all those things, but we don't endure them with our own strength. If He is your life, then you endure these things with His strength. And so we can pray confidently that His desires would happen, we can speak this, this word of promise over Him that his will and his desires for us would be accomplished. Why? Because it's not about our life, and it's not about our strength to endure what we're facing. It's about his ability in you to give you the strength to go forward. I was riding um, a horse at the men's retreat. Speaking of horses. And uh, it's like a trail, you know, and, and some some of the areas on the trail... I was like wearing these, actually these exact shoes. And I'm like, if I was going through this trail, I would trip and fall, no problem. There was like, we were going up and then down and there was like stumps and like, like all kinds of rocks here and there. And I'm like, man, even if I was doing this at the speed that the horse is doing it, I would fall down. So you're riding on the horse and the horse is just going for it. I'm like, oh man, the horse's ankles are even thinner than mine. You know, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. This is freaky. But this horse has done it multiple times and I know nothing about horses. Like it's like the third time I ever rode a horse, and I'm like riding, and it's just going for it. It's going too fast. I'm like, oh man, there's a big dip there. I don't know if the horse is going to do it. And I'm like tensing up. Horse is like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, lalalalala. La, 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 la. Like it's just like it's like ridiculous. And I come back up, la, 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 and, and I mean, we if, there were some photos, but they should have got camera. They should have got some video of it because it looked funny, you know. And it's just like, man, it's just how's this horse doing this? Well, in that in moment, it's not about my strength. It's not about what I think the horse can do or cannot do. It doesn't even matter. This horse has done this this, um, trail multiple times and knows how to do it. Its body is actually even made for it. It's going up and down and up and down, and I'm kind of along for the ride. But I make it safely, even though a lot of it is nerve-wracking and scary. There's a lot of opportunities for me to say, you know what, this is too scary, I'm done. I don't want this stuff. Sometimes in our lives, we're facing dips, uneven ground, uneven situations, uncertainty. We're worried about, do we have it in us to do it? When we, forget, when we are actually forgetting that it's his life that we have, and he has a purpose. And we, if we align ourselves and go along for the ride, which is, almost sounds way too simplified because I understand that your life challenges are challenging, and the things that you are facing and the disappointments that you are experiencing are hard. So I don't want to dismiss them, but I want to encourage you instead to not look at your circumstances, but to look to him. Turn your attention to the one who is strong enough, that who gave his life to purchase you, that you would be safe in his care. You know, John says, and Jesus is saying this um, to the disciples in the book of John. He says, like, the Father is giving you to me, and no one's going to snatch you out of my hand. I am the good shepherd. I love the song we sang today. I'm a good shepherd. You can trust me. Not only am I a king, I'm a shepherd. I'm going to care for you. You have incredible value to me. I'm going to take care of you. But I want you to endure the ride. It's going to be scary at times, but I will never fail you and my purposes for you will never fail they will never fail I want us to do one last thing together with everything that we've just learned about this psalm I want us to read it again before we end okay so let, if you've got it open and if you want to read it with me you can but let's do this can we sing this this national anthem? This, this blessing on our king, can we sing it confidently? Can we say it to him and believe it? Can we, can we align ourselves with this prayer? Can we align ourselves with our king in this moment? I, I'm, not, I'm not forcing you to do it. If you don't even feel it in your heart, you don't have to. But if you feel in your heart that you want to align with him and honor him and bless him today and say, yes, your life is my life. Yes, I choose you. Then sing this, say this with me. Okay? May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desires and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy Over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the King. May he answer when we call. Lord Jesus, I pray this blessing on us now that you would affirm to our hearts the truths that we've just heard. Uh, it's not enough for me to say it, but I pray you inspire our hearts to hear from you. I ask this right now in your name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.